0: welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hello. What's up, guys? How you doing?
1: Hey, pretty good. I'm not feeling great about that intro, but just mm-hmm. my part of it. You're great. Oh. You're great. I
0: yeah. thought it was pretty good. All you said was, hey,
2: everyone. Yeah, that's yeah, I cool. thought
0: that was a good, hey, everyone.
2: All right, that's All okay. Right. All right,
0: we'll keep it. <laughs> right, cool. Well, I hope you guys brought your black gloves. Are we talking th- about we... O.J. Simpson today? <laughs> no, no, no. You'll learn, as many may learn, about the wonderful world of Giallo films. Ah, uh, yeah, so not O.J. No. Okay. But first, let let's. Uh, it's been a while, let's warm up, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. I don't want to go first.
2: I will be happy to go first. All right, Jason, kick us off. Okay. I watched a fun little movie, Um, one of the... Um, holes remaining in my uh, 80s exploration of slasher films, because uh, you never can actually watch all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw uh, finally The Mutilator. Oh, man, I love cool. it. I love it. A.K.A. Fall Break. And, Tell me more. Well, one of the reasons why you know the actual name of the movie was Fall Break because after the pre credit sequence, there is a jaunty happy song called Fall Break. <laughs> And it, it, it belongs like it yes. should be in something like Porky's or something. It's just completely happy, and yeah, we're on fall break. Let's all go on fall break. It's just it's so incongruous with the rest of the movie. It's great. Did you download it? Um, no, but I can. Is it your ringtone? <laughs>
0: and if we're talking about like holiday horror films, are there really many competitors for fall break
2: movies? I don't think so. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I never thought about that.
0: Yeah, I know some people like to space out like holiday films throughout yeah. the year. Yeah,
2: I'm sure some movies have been set during fall break mm-hmm. but they don't they don't advertise it like yeah. the mutilator does. Um but uh, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's it's made in North Carolina. It's definitely one of those independent we're not sure we know what we're doing movie, but hey, let's all make a movie, you know. So That's um, the gore? The gore is actually the best thing about the movie, yeah, it's really? what it's known for, yeah. Uh, Mark Shostrom, who did the effects for like Elm Street one through three, oh, sweet, did the makeup effects on this. So, there's some great yeah, gore, there's yeah. some good kills. Um, it's uh, <laughs> the basic plot involves, and this is the very beginning of the movie, so it doesn't give anything away, but um, a, a, a kid he's probably about 10 or so he thinks it's a great idea for his father's birthday. His present to his dad is to clean all of his rifles for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and um, he neglects to check the breach of the rifle, and he shoots it. It goes through the wall and hits his mother, who's making a cake. Holy shit! He kills his mother.
1: God damn! The that's dad, pretty. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty that's heavy. crazy. That's
2: heavy. The dad comes home, finds the kid, you know, over his mother's body, you know, and hits the kid. And basically, tries to strangle him, tries to kill him. The kid runs away. And then we cut to the guy in college, the kid now in college, who gets a call from his father, who I guess he's maintained a relationship with all this time. Uh, the father asks him to come to his house by the beach because the father had to go away, and he wants the kid to clean it up and get it ready for the off-season. When, in actuality, the father is planning on killing him when he arrives. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't know why he waited like 10 years. Who wrote this thing? I'm very patient. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you? I think it was the director and the Buddy Cooper was the director and John Douglas was a co-director. Good God.
1: That's really dark.
2: Yeah. It's obviously amateur actors. You get some great North Carolina accents in it. <laughs> There's this one scene that is supposed to be shot in the dark, obviously, because they're kind of playing this hide and seek game but you can clearly see everything that's happening. and <laughs> so it's, it's so like playing hide-and-seek with a
1: two-year-old. <laughs> r- and are like, I'm not here. <laughs>
2: and at one point, the killer comes in while some characters are hiding, and you can obviously see everyone, and it just makes the killer look like he's a complete idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it, it, yeah it's a lot of fun. Worth watching.
0: Well, hey, shot glasses raised. I've got the blue. <laughs> oh, there
2: <laughs> yeah. we go. Nice. Where'd you watch it? Uh it's on um Amazon Prime. Included or paid for? Uh well it's yeah I mean you got to pay for Prime. And it's for not sure what I mean. you know uh, what I mean. Like no, is I it don't.
1: included with Prime or do I have it to pay It is included extra? with Prime. Yes. Oh, okay
2: that's what I want to know. And you know
1: I'm a cheap
0: ass. <laughs> <laughs> and it's for sure one of those where like if you are a Big slasher fan and you've not seen this
2: it's definitely one to jump to and check yeah. out. Well now I got to watch it. Or you could just borrow uh Dustin's blue. So anybody yep. out there who would like to watch this movie just write in to genre exposure at gmail.com and ask for Dustin's. you will be, he, a, be happy. There will like
0: be Blu-ray. a rental fee though. So. You have to sign up for Dustin's rental card as well. Yeah. It's not quite Netflix levels but you know we'll get th- we'll get there.
1: <laughs> you like you might get to, if there's like a bunch of you requesting it you'll get to see this
0: movie in 10 years maybe. <laughs>
2: there's no other ways
0: you can watch it before
2: Dustin mails Nothing, it. Nothing, no me. other way to do it.
0: There are fines though for anything scratches case whatever well, of course. So. We're, we live in a society of rules man <laughs> this isn't lawlessness
2: how about you michael did you watch anything fun or um, not fun
1: so i watched something mediocre mm. i watched porno not a, a porno? Porno. porno a mediocre porno no i feel um, like i know that one it's on <laughs> shutter it's a shutter exclusive i'm gonna be a horrible podcast host because i didn't bother like looking up who made it it's okay like that um Basic premise is there's some like kind of Christian teens who work in a small town movie theater.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, It's set in the 90s because the only movies that are playing at the theater are Encino Man and A League of Their Own. (laughs) Wow. Decidedly 90s. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Um, But they end up stumbling across um, a room in the theater that's like boarded up and they come across a film can. That they end up playing. Well, it turns out it's a um, a ritual to release a succubus. Oh mm-hmm. no! And so, uh, some good nudity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, okay. so that's what you go for first. though. well, in a movie,
2: it's called porno. You would expect that. I, I,
1: that's well. I'm trying to think of like reasons that I could recommend this movie, and there's not a whole lot.
0: Hmm. But so was it just the plot kind of fell flat, or so?
1: Here's my issues: poorly paced it takes forever to get to the succubus like Mm. we're getting way too much backstory on characters that i don't give a shit about and you're they're kind of setting up this town as and this whole situation as like oh the kids are you know the town's really christian and the kids are kind of straying away from the church a little bit because there's too many temptations in the real world for these kids and i'm I'm just kind of bored of that Mm. sure sure and um once the succubus is released, you're kind of like, okay, I don't really care if she kills all these people. <laughs> and it's not in the typical slasher sense of, like, there's... Are you supposed to like these characters, or is it I one of... I think they're trying to make you want to like them, and, mm-hmm. and I don't. So they're not just, like, disposable assholes? No, they're mm-hmm. not. You know, like, you can, you kind of love those disposable assholes, because mm-hmm. when they die, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, well, he you're was cheering the, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah get them. He was the guy who, you know... Trying to bang that girl, and this should
2: not be confused with the actual pornographic film called Disposable Assholes. Don't get those confused. <laughs>
0: well, I think that's a different podcast, man. <laughs> that was going, I didn't expect that to go there, but okay. Uh, let me ask you this real quick: Have you seen? I might mess up the name, but I want to say it's just called Cam. Right? Uh, I know of it. Okay, that's, that that one's you, on Netflix, right? Yeah. When you first mentioned it, I forgot the uh, the title, and I, first I was like, "Oh, I hope he doesn't mean that film because I really liked that one." No, I've heard really good things about. Cam. Yeah, it's it's super good.
1: Porno was intentionally trying to be very funny, Mm -hmm. very horror comedy kind of a thing.
0: Humor is super subjective, too.
1: Yeah, and it just didn't hit. Mm. Like, there are times when it does, and you're like, oh, that's funny. Or then there's some, like, okay gore in it. But then you start getting into these, like, I don't know, like, deep seated treacheries of some of the adults, and they're, like, not who they say they are. (laughs) And you're like, whoa, I don't think this was warranted by this lighthearted movie. Hmm. Also, I do have a huge pet peeve with it, though, and I'm, I'm going to spoil a tiny thing. But I, this kind of flavored, put a bad taste in my mouth for the rest of the film. You find out that one of the main character girls really likes one of the dudes, naturally because he's mm-hmm. a hottie, you know. <laughs> sure, um, but he's gay, mm-hmm. but he's not out, mm-hmm. and he's trying to suppress it because everyone in this town tells him it's a sin to be gay.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So she ends up telling. Their boss that he's gay, and their boss sends him to church camp to basically. Wow. This, get that, to, sh- that
2: should be the horror movie, that right? That seems there. like right, another right. film going on.
1: And so they make out, like, oh, this is bad. Like, you shouldn't do that. That's awful. It's okay for him to be gay. But what they never point out is how shitty it was for her to tell the boss that he's gay. Yeah, like, that's right. not They'd hers. Them, that's you know? not hers to tell. No. And they never apologize for that. That character mm-hmm. never apologizes for that. And it just gets brushed over. And I'm like, you're making it sound like it's okay to do that. Mm. She apologizes, I'm sorry I told him and you got sent to that camp. But she's not saying, I'm sorry I told him, period. Mm-hmm. You right. know, like, it's almost like if she told him and he didn't go to the camp, then it's okay. But, I don't know, that's just such a sensitive topic for people that sure. already struggle with seems heart. like
0: maybe their heart was in the right place, but maybe they just kind of... Didn't think it through all the way. In the cut of finishing things didn't quite handle and it, it well. it could have been cut
1: out, you mm-hmm. know, but... I don't know. It just seemed a little insensitive, and yeah, I won't go all <laughs> right, this. Well,
0: hey, I say, you know, Shutter, keep making them.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely keep making oh, them. Oh, yeah. And and this is not horrible. Like, production value is good. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the effects are really good in it. Um, actual scenes where they're watching the film, it's like super black magic witchcrafty. Ooh. And I was like, okay, I dig that. And, that's like, cool. if that theme carried through the whole movie, I think it would have been super cool. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where that stopped. So.
2: Right. Okay. Well, okay.
1: I won't dog on it anymore. Watch it if you want.
2: Cool. You could do worse things. It's like an hour and a half. Right.
1: <laughs> Ain't the end of the world.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. That's what'd you watch. Okay. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Seems like I've been doing that a lot lately. Uh, I'm going to talk about a show, not a movie. Oh, Boom. I see. Ooh. Yeah, I got to cheat. But
2: as long as it's a genre show, we will allow it. It's definitely genre. So uh, this podcast is about cinema.
1: <laughs> cinema. <laughs>
0: Well, We'll see what happens. Let me just walk you through this. Um, there is a manga called High Rise Invasion. Very cool uh, horror manga that I read a few years ago, and it actually got picked up and turned into an anime. Licensed by Netflix. I think it's just dropped within the last week or two. Super, super new. And it's really well done, really well animated, and it's a great, like... If you're not super big on anime but you do love horror, I think it's a good like transitional thing to kind of dip into the waters.
1: Okay, that might hit mm. me. That might hit um, my realm.
0: It follows this high school girl named Yuri. Tell me more. And she kind of just wakes up out of nowhere and she's atop a skyscraper in the middle of a city and there's all these high-rises everywhere. And she doesn't know why she's there, how she got there, what's going on. And the first thing she notices is there's these rope bridges that connect all the buildings. And then things rapidly escalate as there's these people with these masks on with weapons, and they're going around, and there's other people that have shown up in this place, and they're like tormenting them like they're going to kill them. But what they want to do is to like torment them to the point of throwing themselves off and committing suicide. Holy shit. (laughs) Unless they're resolved to fight, and then they just try to kill them. And she doesn't know why she's there, how she got there, anything. She just knows that she's there. And she calls her brother at first to kind of be like, hey, where are you? Are you okay? And it seems like he's there too. And it just sets off into her, like, exploring and trying to survive pretty much right out of the gate. And it's just like a balls to the walls, like, horror action thing. Sounds pretty intense. I would watch
1: that. Yep. I'm not big on anime or manga, but Um, I would watch that.
0: And I don't want to spoil it too much because there are twists and turns and it is super new, but, like, just within the first episode. Uh, You know, she's saved by policemen, and then one of them kind of, like, turns on her and gets a little creepy, a little skeevy, because he thinks, you know, Hmm. I've got my gun, there's no authority here, people are just doing whatever, and he kind of tries to uh, uh, exert his will upon her, in a sense, and uh, in the scheme of things, one of the killers offs him and saves her, but it's just because he's, like, gunning for everyone, and then she really kind of comes into, like, that hero, like horror film, heroine kind of thing, where she, you know, picks up a weapon, no matter what, I'm going to survive, and then she just goes for it. Nice.
1: Okay, I'll cool. watch that.
0: And that's on Netflix? Yes. And it's there's some great gore, great blood. Uh, they do this cool thing where a lot of the times when people fall, it shows you them falling, and they get, like, right to the ground, and it goes super slow-mo, and then, like, a second before the head connects, it cuts to black, and you just hear the squelch. <laughs> oh, nice. And then they'll kind of pan back out and come in and show you the blood spray and everything that's going on. No, I haven't heard about this at all. Yeah, it just dropped, just came out. Uh It's pretty cool. I think well, it's I worth think checking you out. Run Check in Different
1: out. circles than we do as oh, far yeah. yeah. As, like what to be on our radar, so. Definitely. Which is why we do this.
0: Yeah, so give it a look if you want to see some crazy people running around trying to kill each other on top of skyscrapers. Ton Is it
1: a bunch of episodes?
0: There's like twelve or so. That's not bad. And I don't know if that's the whole manga adapted, if there'll be other seasons or not, but what's the runtime like on each episode? Uh you know, twenty, thirty minutes. Oh, so it's easy. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Easy to get into, easy to watch, super fun.
1: Not to sound picky, but you know, like when you're busy you oh, yeah. gotta pick things that you know. It's it's hard
0: sometimes with streaming, they'll, you know, drop a new show and it's like ten hour episodes. Yeah, that's That'd be a big investment. That's a commitment, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially when your wife's like, I don't want to watch that.
0: So yeah, high rise high rise invasion. <laughs> Check it out. Cool. I will. Okay, so this week we are talking about Luigi Bazzoni's The Fifth Chord from 1971. And right off the top, this is a giallo film. And I thought that, you know, we always care about our genre on here. And when we say like an action film... Everyone kind of gets what an action film is, but a lot of people don't really know what a giallo film is. If, you know, us, we're all deep into this, we know, but even just, you know, a handful of years ago, I didn't know what they were. I just started seeing the term everywhere and then kind of looked it up and immersed myself and learned all of this. Right. So I thought it would be worth a little bit before we get into the film to kind of slow down and really talk about giallo films as a whole and kind of define them just cool, in case you don't know who's listening.
2: Absolutely. It's a That's fun fair. genre. This could be someone's first about.
0: encounter with the term, with the idea even. They've probably seen giallo films and not realize they've mm-hmm. seen them. So, Yeah, I was the same way. Yeah. Hmm. So what is a giallo? Okay, well, just the word means yellow in Italian. And it refers to these kind of like serial pulp mystery novels that were known for having a yellow cover. And they were published by Mondadori in the late 1920s and on. And they were so popular that their competitors started to rip them off and kind of do the yellow covers as well. And then people just started to refer to these mystery stories as Giallo because they have the yellow covers.
1: That's I actually didn't know that. Mm. I mean, I know what
0: Giallo films are, but I didn't know all that. Yep, That's kind of the origin behind it there. I'm a noob. (laughs) You got to start Uh, somewhere. When it's plural, they're technically called Gialli, but a lot of people just say Giallo for everything. That's kind of a do-what-you-want thing. I think giallo is a little more fun to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So nominally, this is a style of Italian-spawned thriller horror films that usually will have a mystery or detective element, and then they also include elements of other genres that later become tropes of, you would say, the slasher genre, a lot of them. Um, At at a top level, it's a merging of thrillers, uh, detective fiction, and eroticism. That
1: totally changes that Coldplay song, too. Was like when they sing it in Italian, it was all giallo, you know, instead of it's all yellow. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. What I, I don't listen references. to Cold yes, Blaze. Sorry, I really Shut up. don't. You know. <laughs> I swear I don't. You know what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it was all yellow. Um,
0: so, <laughs> whoa, so kind of the core element you will have this mysterious killer, often with black gloves, which is you know, that reference we made. And their identity is often not revealed until the final act of the film. And a big part of the movie is sort of this mystery of who is the killer. And often it kind of involves you, the viewer, as the detective, trying to figure things out. Um, they were developed in, in the 60s and through. And then they really exploded and kind of got into their prime in the 70s and branched out. Uh, Spain made a lot as well. Other countries. Uh, as far as thematic components, lavish visuals are definitely a key thing. Mm-hmm uh color use of color bright colors uh there's often a focus on high life the rich the famous very important people i see that yeah um a focus on art fashion and music there's a lot of protagonists see that are that musicians too? or they're in the fashion industry models stuff like that that's why i never relate to them and there's a <laughs> big focus on psychology and sexuality or pseudo-psychology and mm-hmm. pseudo-sexuality. Also why I never related them either. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, if you look at the time, uh, so we're, we're talking about the 70s, that's really sort of when, like, we get this big time of serial killers and stuff going on. And when people really started to focus on that and think about it, and a lot of that keyed into, like, why are people this way? What is their mind process? And I think in a lot of Giallo, they were kind of trying to work through that. Uh, maybe not the best, because not everything was figured out yet, but... They, a lot of them have that focus of, like, why is this person this way? Why are they doing these
2: things? Right. That be they kind of try it like to... like an emotional experience they had or a genetic defect or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. It was never just because they fucking crazy.
0: Right, right. <laughs> um, and just to place it a little bit in the world of cinema, they drew a lot of inspiration from German Krimi films. And those were German films in the 60s that were crime thrillers that pulled off some of the detective novels of the time. And then after Giallo, kind of later into the 70s, they evolved into these, like, very gritty, actiony American-inspired police procedural films. Dirty Harry, man. Called uh, Polizzi in in, uh, Italian. And I hope I said that right. If not, I'm sorry. Write in. Correct me. That sounded good. So that's kind of a general overview. Do either of you have anything you would want to add? I think that I've not hit... Um, I think that sums up the genre pretty well. I don't think I'm enough well. of
1: an expert on giallo <laughs> to really...
0: Yeah, I think Jason and I are deeper in this pool. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've seen some giallo, and I have my favorites, and, mm-hmm. like, I know it. It's like, what's a giallo, you know, when you see it? Yeah. You know, like... Right. It's, but that's kind of a cop-out thing to say about a movie. But... And I have
0: I have had friends who've kind of struggled with the idea where I explain it to them, and they'll be like, well, this is a giallo, right? And I'm like, well, that's just a crime thriller or a mystery, and then they're like, well, what's the difference? And I was like, you really have to see them to kind of start to feel – there's a feeling to them, mm-hmm. just the look, everything.
1: Right. Like I th- what I said, like you might think like Dirty Harry comes to mind, you know, if you're thinking of like serial killer, like a killer, mm-hmm. crime procedural, procedural of thing, kind of thing. It doesn't really fit. But it's not right. there. Like there's a lot of elements, but it, it's not there,
2: you know. Like even Silence of the Lambs, that's not giallo. Right.
1: It has a lot of elements. Sure. And if Absolutely. they and if some if the story was just slightly different, that could totally be in tone. Mm-hmm. Definitely giallo, but but it's not. Right. It's not. I think quite most there. people
2: when they think of giallo they think of Dario Argento. I mean mm-hmm. it's pretty yeah. synonymous with giallo. And as far as other big names, are there any others you would throw out as kind of like uh Lucio Fulci, yeah. um Sergio Martino. Mm-hmm. I kind of undersung Sergio Martino. Yeah, I went through all
0: of his last year actually and he definitely deserves to be right up there as one of the greats. Yes, check him out, definitely. Um, and that's maybe the key thing to Giallo films. When we've talked about genre in the past, we I kind of said that I thought a genre film is very defined by the tropes of the genre it's trying to play into. And I think that when you talk about Giallo, it is even more so there's specific little notes you have to hit to be a Giallo film. Right, right.
1: It's almost like if you don't see the, like you said in the intro, if you don't see the Black Gloves... Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to have mm-hmm. the black
2: gloves for the giallo, but...
0: It's kind of... There's like a checklist, and you have to get so many on there <laughs> right. to kind of shift into that lane a little bit.
2: But I think the most important thing is just the overall style mm-hmm. of the film. It has to be it has, to, it just has to have that certain style.
0: And they're all lavish, like Bava. His are so colorful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And even as we start to get in talking about this, like, and I guarantee we're going to reference um, Argento in this quite mm-hmm. a bit. Oh, Does. yeah. But... Even with the fifth chord. Like, it's obviously not Argento, but in my opinion, it could be like a tame Argento. Oh, yeah. So it's. It doesn't have all of the fingerprints that would make it an Argento film, but Mm -hmm. it could. You could easily
0: see this as being something Argento would have done. All right. So let me play off of that and kind of bring us into talking about this film. Yeah, nice segue here. (laughs) You're welcome. Now that I've mentioned it, I've totally ruined it, but that's okay. (laughs) So this film in Italian actually has a different name. It would be called Black Day for the Ram, which is a total cash-in on Dario Argento's films, starting with Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh, They kind of refer to them as like these animal-themed giallo films where the title always references an animal. Four Flies
2: way. on Grey Velvets,
0: mm-hmm. uh, Cat on Nine Tails. Mm-hmm. And so with the Italian title, they kind of tried to key into that so people would just see it and be like, ah, it's you know, one of those. Uh, the name The Fifth Court" actually comes from a novel that was written by D.M. Divine, and that was the inspiration for the story. And when I looked him up, it seemed to be
1: not one of his most popular novels either. No, I don't think so. My Brother's Killer, I think, was the one that seemed to be the most... Read of his, which mm. sounds super interesting. I mean, I won't jump off topic too much, but if you get a chance to look that up, that sounds super interesting, and I would kind of like to see a movie
0: of that. Yeah, mm. I would like to see more of his stuff, and I would, I would like to find a copy of this novel to read.
1: Yeah, there was. It's there's not a lot on him. There's not even no. a Wikipedia page on this dude. I had a hard time digging stuff up. Yeah, weird. I found some stuff about like uh, collectors buying UK first edition prints of like novels and stuff like that, and he got mentioned on that for stuff but yeah like when you're reading the fifth chord wikipedia page and it's like based on a novel by and you go to click on the name and it's like there's not a wikipedia
0: page for this and i'm like oh god i'm at the end of the internet <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's not a wikipedia page i'm at the end of the internet geez what now uh, i've got a little bit to talk about the novel later when we get into the plot but even what i found i had to go through like blog upon blog of other people talking about his other novels this film you were much more committed than I was. Yeah, it was really hard to suss it all out. Wikipedia but, uh, <laughs> didn't have it. I was done. So this film, if you look up lists of like famous Giallo films, it'll often be on there but kind of lesser behind a lot of other stuff. But just to lay this out a little bit, I think there's a lot of pedigree and talent in this film that's you know, maybe a little underrated. So Luigi Bazzoni, he's made some other stuff. The only one I've seen is Man Pride Vengeance, which is a Western he made with Franco Nero. And it's it's not a Django ripoff, but it definitely has that feel to it. And Frank O'Neill is also in The Fifth chord. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's our leading man, which I'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. Way to ruin it, Jason. Cinematog- Give the man time. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> cinematography is Vittorio Storaro. Don't know if you guys know him. A little film called Apocalypse Now... I'm pretty sure I could probably come up with
1: the director of that now. <laughs> who
0: who, who directed Apocalypse Now?
3: Michael? Was that was that Coppola? That's right. <laughs> yes, it
0: was. Yes, we are learning things on this podcast. Seeing as I flubbed that royally in the Sorcerer <laughs> episode, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't stop there because then let's get to the music composed by Ennio Morricone. Ah, the master. And then, of course, as you said, the lead Franco Nero plays Andrea Bild, our protagonist of the story. Uh, as for the plot itself. We're following Andrea Bild, who is a journalist that finds himself on the trail of a murderer who's been targeting people around him and in his life. Meanwhile, the police are considering him as a suspect in the ongoing investigation. And Bild kind of tries to push through and find the truth
2: of what's going on.
1: I feel really bad for anybody who's friends with this guy.
2: (laughs) Why? Because he's a horrible alcoholic and his life's in shambles. I mean,
1: he's got issues, but more because everybody dies. (laughs) Oh, that that (laughs) thats You know, like I would have probably run. For a while, but... The...
0: Well, right out of the gate, I think that as a protagonist, especially in a Giallo film, he is, like, one of the best I've ever come across. He really is. Very often, I think a Giallo protagonist is kind of muted, and you're almost sort of just to be able to, like, self-insert with them and, like, go along on the mystery.
1: Oh, I self-inserted with this guy very well. <laughs> but
0: this guy, like...
1: Life in shambles.
0: He has lived a life. <laughs> like, this could be the third or fourth film in a series that's just this guy's chronicle as a journalist and kind of exposing the truth. And he's gone through it all. He's very jaded, hard drinking. He's lost some love in his life. Check, check, check. We're talking about me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a terrific mustache like Franco Nero does. I could. In this movie. No. <laughs> I could.
0: But so when the film opens, it actually begins with this very strange recording that's playing distorted voice, the killer's voice, presumably. And they're sort of on this little rant about the murder spree they're going to perform. And they kind of even lay it all out. I'm going to kill so many people. It's going to begin in the new year. Would that be the year of the Ram? Perhaps, yeah.
2: Maybe that's part of where the name is coming in. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. And this is also a pretty typical component of uh, Gialli, where you have the killer either talking to themselves or calling someone. Mm-hmm. It's always usually speaking in that really kind of creepy, concealed voice.
0: Yes, yes. Which is great. Like, just as an intro, I loved that part. Immediately I was like, yes, I am into this. Yeah,
2: it's very, very effective. And it's
0: something about it that we want our killers
1: to have that kind of persona
0: yeah like a presence that really menaces right out of the
1: gate like it's not as fun when they're just crazy mm-hmm. you know like we really need them to have some sort of persona i we do the same i think with our american serial killers like oh yeah we build this persona for them and that's kind of why people idolize them and mm-hmm. or, I, mean, I don't want to say worship them some people do, <laughs> some but, do. I, I mean some mean, do yeah that's I the mean, truth yeah i can't condone that but that's cool Um, But like, you know, our fascination with them, would they really be as fascinating if they didn't have that sort Mm. of... That mystique.
3: Yeah, that big
0: persona there. And so we open from that into this New Year's party. And through that party, we kind of meet the core cast that would go on to be the suspects. And that includes Andrea Bild. And then also a lot of sort of like other high society people that he either knows or has relationships with. Uh, Notably is Helen Volta, who's played by Sylvia Monty. It takes a while in the film to kind of figure out what's going on between them, but I believe it's supposed to be that they had a relationship in the past. Right. And they're now separated, and he desperately wants to get back with her, and she's kind of moved on. Oh, yeah, she's definitely moved on. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I so, I, like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I kind of like that about this film, is she's she didn't go back for him, really. Right. Like, she, it feels like in a lot of films... The leading man will eventually do enough to get them back, yeah. you know, and like, oh, he'll be so heroic that she'll just have to come back to him. She's still like, no, you're a raging alcoholic, and yeah, and not it's like good fr- for me. from
0: her end, you see in a few moments, like, she does still have an attachment to him because they've probably been together for, you know, years or something, yeah. but she's able to discern past that and kind of be like, nah, you're you're it, trouble. It feels more of a pity though mm-hmm.
1: that she has, like, she she feels really sorry for him and you mm-hmm. can it's kind of he's a very sad character yeah. yeah like going into what you said about this being probably the most character you get in a giallo film he's really sad oh yeah and and she sees that and it's all it, I mean it kind of speaks if you are suffering from mental health issues you can kind of relate to that in a way like mm-hmm. I wish I could be good enough or do something enough to get them back but but you can't but I
0: can't yeah like that ship's already sailed mm mm-hmm. So this was way ahead of its time for that, for sure. And then there's also a kid in the mix, and I believe the implication is that it's their kid. That's what but, I thought. Yeah, mm. I gathered that. They're very subtle with all of that, which is kind of interesting. Um, but she's moved on. She's with someone else.
2: Well, that's one of the themes of the movie, too, though, is the whole theme of relationships mm-hmm. are very fluid in this movie and kind of nebulous. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure who's really with who or how what the relationship to each other is. It's
0: free society, man. The next thing we should go into off of that is for all that we've said about how sad he is that he can't get back with his former lady, he has a girl on the side now. Yeah,
2: a fun girl named Lou. Yep. What was Lou
1: like? She was a college student, right? Yeah, she was
2: a college student. A uni Uh, student.
0: A free spirit. very free spirit. Uh, She kind of just hangs out in his apartment. I, wanna, I can't, colored wigs I can't remember there. who played her, but she's she was a great actress. Uh, Pamela Tiffin. Thank you, thank
2: you. Yeah, um, I liked her a lot. She was probably the only real happy mm-hmm. character in the movie. She
1: seemed to not really be affected or aware of everything that was going on. Uh, but you even get a scene with, with her and uh, Franco Nero's relationship. I mean, he, he hits her.
0: Yeah, he's not the kindest to her. No,
1: and you're like, so a lot of the sympathy that you have for him gets lost in that scene. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, I understand why he's not going to be with anybody.
0: But <laughs> yeah. even then, to jump a little further ahead, at, <laughs> later in the film, she kind of reveals to him, like, hey, I'm going to marry this other guy and settle down. Yeah. And do you care? And he's kind of just like, mm, whatever.
1: Yeah. it's
0: So there's very, it's very mature, very complex relationships going on in the film.
1: And- it's. I almost feel that it's one-sided, mature though. Mm-hmm. He's never right. He can't get his shit together. No, he can't. And I don't want to talk shit about a character that's not real. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, he needs to get. Yeah. He needs to figure out like that. The reason that he's in the situation he's in seems to be the consequences of his actions.
0: Mm-hmm. And to hook it in, I think that's why he focuses so much on this murder because that's he can solve this right eventually if he goes far enough down the road. And that's kind of maybe how he's been living his life for a while, is just the next case every time to find the truth. Right. Yeah, maybe
1: he should just look at the truth of himself.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would love a sequel that delved into that, actually. but <laughs> I mean, what do we get a sequel 30-something years later? <laughs> hey, why not?
1: <laughs> if you're an inspi- oh. aspiring director or writer, give us a sequel to
0: The Fifth Chord. And if you if you don't call it The Sixth Chord, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> um. So after this party and everyone kind of disperses, uh, a murder happens. Mm. Or an attempted murder happens. Um, And in the mix of that, as these things progress, there's a calling card the killer's leaving. And that is a black glove and a number of the fingers cut off to represent which victim it is. Which ties into that opening narration that, I think he says, I'm going to have five victims. Yes. Mm. At
1: least he's got a goal.
0: Yeah. It's good to have goals. That
1: opening kill, though, was very unnerving. Oh, yeah. Because you start with, you get some nice like make-out sesh under a bridge, which mm-hmm. is the most, in my opinion, it's the most romantic place that you can make out with a lady. is <laughs> Or a dude, whatever your preference is, I don't care. Or yourself. Yeah, or yourself. I mean, you don't need somebody
0: else. Do you, man. Yeah, you do whatever,
1: whatever makes you happy. But if you want to do a make-out sesh,
2: you do it under a bridge. That's where you do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which actually isn't there another scene later under a bridge too? There him? is oh.
2: another um, yeah makeout scene yeah. yeah. But as you say the the first uh, victim and he's male he's attacked but not killed. Mm-hmm. Yep someone someone's
0: the, coming along walking and they're able to run right off.
2: one of those maker outers I believe his name was Walter came running when they heard uh, the man yelling when he was getting attacked mm-hmm. and chases off the killer. But that
1: scene's super unnerving because it's. It's very creepy. It's very ominous. Yeah, he's walking tunnel. through the tunnel. Yeah. 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 And, and I did feel like, you kind of feel like when you're watching it, oh, I don't really want you to go down that tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's not in a typical slasher, I don't want you to go down that tunnel. It's uh, This is creepy and I don't like it. It's also in broad daylight. Yeah. Which is even better, you know, because that takes away the, the your safety net, because you're supposed to be fine during the day, mm-hmm. but not in a Giallo film.
0: All right. <laughs> That guy gets maimed. He ends up in the hospital, and he's injured. And then immediately, Andrea's kind of on the case from this point forward. Mm -hmm. And
2: this was one of the men who was attacked. He was at that party. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's the first link that he kind of pushes on. Who all was at that party? What are their connections? Right.
2: So where do we go from there? Well, then the murders really start happening. Right.
0: Okay, so as these murders are piling up, and he's pushing forward, he starts to get some kickback, first from the police, who think that he's a suspect... So that kind of puts another condition on him in this investigation. But you right. know, they they
1: act like he's the suspect, but they never believe he's the suspect.
0: Mm, they keep letting him go.
1: Yeah, because he's. I think it seems like he helps them. Yeah, and a lot of you have, he's helped them before.
0: Because when the second he shows up, they're kind of like, "Ugh, you again!" Like yeah. it seems they have this relationship
2: already. Yeah,
1: The, the dogged reporter that mm-hmm. never lets it go. That's um, also
2: a typical trope with uh, Gialli is that the authorities will let a journalist or even a random person who has no credentials solve <laughs> the crime for them.
1: Well, why not? Why wouldn't you? I mean, I'd just go, if I were Italian police, I would go sit. Sure, go to a cafe. You know, read the newspaper. Why not? And then let some guy just solve the thing for me. And then I show up. You know, he gets the credit. I don't need the credit.
0: I'm living on a meager Italian policeman's salary. I'm doing okay. And then the (laughs) the other angle that comes in is that he gets kicked back from his superiors at the paper he works for. Which is another factor where he kind of thinks that maybe there's someone involved trying to suppress what's going on, like they know something. Right, let it go. Like he's pushing on something that they don't want discovered.
2: Yeah, as the murders pile up, of course, the glove is left with another finger cut out, indicating that many more people to go.
0: Mm. And then he kind of gets a break in the case, which pushes us to a scene that I know you really loved, Michael, that you thought was interesting.
1: About the underground sex ring? Yeah. Yeah, that makes it sound like I'm in the underground
0: sex <laughs> ring. Well, no, it's because the way that part's even shot, it's very haunting, I think.
1: It is, yeah. So, like, as he stumbles upon this, you get to this weird...
0: He's trailing um, one of the guys.
1: Yeah, and you get to this kind of voyeuristic um, gathering. of, uh, And it's characters we've seen before. Mm, a lot from the party. Right, the party. And he's even interviewed some of these characters. Like, we've already had interactions with them, and you're wondering, are they possibly the suspects? And you start seeing them watching this sex scene unfold. Mm-hmm. It's being recorded. So you're thinking like, okay, it's they're shooting a porno of some sort. And this isn't a hardcore thing or anything like that. You know, it's, it's really not that gratuitous, um, which is surprising for an Italian film. Mm-hmm. But still, like you get these, you see this different side of all of these high society people that, He's been interviewing. Mm-hmm. You already don't feel they're great people. No, I mean they're they're pretty shitty people. But then you get this voyeuristic thing happening, and I don't know if it was me, but did you guys get the sense that that girl was very underage as well?
0: I think that's the implication they okay. wanted you to take. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. I definitely got the sense that.
2: Well, I think she's playing like sixteen or something like uh, that. But it's still not legal. Well, sure. You know, like well, that it depends
1: on
0: where you are. But yeah, right. But <laughs> I think that's the point.
1: Is they're supposed <laughs> sure. to be watching this thing that's not and all these okay. people
0: are like rich and powerful so it's kind of supposed to give you that vibe of like how high society can prey upon people
1: right and that there was a very interesting shift in cinematography in that scene too like mm. the camera becomes very fluid yeah and it's kind of shifting around the room and shifting through this landscape of this scene and it was almost like they were really experimenting in that
0: it gets very surreal
1: yeah in that section and you kind of are like okay how deep has he gone down the rabbit hole now mm. And what has he uncovered? Now, my issue was that that seems to be a
0: lost plot. It's a dot along the line that never really matters. Well, I think
2: it was there to justify why so many of the suspects are so... Uh, sketchy. Why they're so paranoid and why they seem like they have something to hide? Because this is something they're trying to hide.
1: Yeah, I feel like all their interactions though didn't paint them to be good people. So I really didn't need that scene for me to feel bad for them. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is something you'd hide.
0: Uh, with my theory that this is, could have been like a part in a series, the next film could have been taking Undercovering, down this, yeah, uh,
1: un- going undercover this ring or whatever. Um,
0: but the fallout of this is that he does confront someone about this. And then in the wake of that, their connection to the newspaper, they kind of try to pull him out of everything and just say, hey, you're done. Don't follow the story anymore. And he gets into this argument with his superior. And I actually wrote down the line because I loved it so much as they're shouting back and forth. On, they like are talking back and forth, arguing, yelling, shouting. And the guy calls Andrea a piece of shit. And he says, I may have become a piece of shit, but you are what you were when you started. A Damn. bastard that has sold his soul. Oh, shit. <laughs> was... I think that is like, boom. That is his character. He is devoted to like truth and justice. Yeah. Like, uh, to a fault. Yeah.
1: Devoted to truth and justice.
0: And after that altercation, which a lot of people in the newspapers see, when he leaves, that superior ends up dead by the killer, which just shifts that spotlight all the more onto oh, yeah. Andrea.
1: Yeah, definitely. You're thinking... I mean, we as an audience, I don't think I ever got the sense no. that he was the killer because we Not know too much, but... I mean, that would have been a super cool twist. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it is him. Which, it is Andrea. He which, is the killer. Which has <laughs> happened. and in- Oh, sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And then in the wake of that, kind of moving into the latter portion of the film, he goes to touch base again with the original victim, the one that survived. He is, uh, I believe he's a school teacher, right? He is. Yep. And he's in a neck brace now. He's very injured, but he did survive. Mm-hmm. And he kind of reveals that he is getting out of town. He's done. Mm-hmm. He's just going to leave. Hopes he's not going to get injured anymore.
2: He's just uneasy about everything. And he's leaving because, as he puts it, it's intimated that he had that he uh, was in love with a woman named Isabel who had just gotten murdered. Mm-hmm. And Isabel was about to get married to uh, a man named Edward Vermont, who's very rich, stylish, handsome. Which man. were all at this party from the start, right?
0: So and then he we kind of
2: Isabel dead, why should I stay? I'm out of here.
0: Mm-hmm. So then we get a turn in the story, especially with the killer based on their victims. Um Helen goes out of town. I forget, is it some business or something, or Yes. Yeah. 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 And she leaves the the kid at home with someone watching him. Very simple. And the Oh shit, yeah, I forgot yeah, about the that. The killer <laughs> the killer sets his sights. That's like the best scene. On the kid. I know.
1: It's like, I'm thinking about it.
0: And I want to talk about her house too real quick. She has this very lavish looking house. It's architecture and the way like there was the bay window in the living room. It really felt like the house from Parasite. Yeah. I don't know if you guys got that vibe. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah,
1: yeah, very mid-century modern look to it. Um, But yeah, no, you could see that. It overlooks that little yard Mm -hmm. area that they have. And it's kind of walled in. Not quite as lavish as the Parasite yard.
0: But, uh. It, the actor that plays the kid too is very good cuz often in these films when you have a kid in a role even like a speaking one you get kind of <laughs> yeah They're usually dubbed
2: by an adult woman and it sounds strange <laughs> you, you get
0: to uh, house by the cemetery right, <laughs> right. Yeah. um but he's very good and the killer sets his sights on him and andrea happens to kind of piece together what's going on as it's going down thankfully thankfully and he just bolts it and races over there, trying to save the day. And, like I said, I think that's the best scene in the movie. And we get a movie.
2: very tense moment. Yeah. Of uh, the killer tracking down the child. Yes. And the, the, it's, it almost becomes a different movie at that point, mm-hmm. I feel like. Cause it did. The, the kid, his name's Tony, he 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 goes into the basement, I believe, mm-hmm. but it, it looks like he's down in some sort of a medieval cellar. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's so bizarre it's like kind of this tonal shift all of a sudden
1: it big be- that movie becomes very very real very quick mm-hmm. in that
2: scene and there's also an impressionistic uh expressionistic quality to it because there's just like this one shaft of light shining mm-hmm. down on the kid and the killer's coming at him and, and that's another thing i like about this movie a lot is that the killer povs are done very well yes you see his hands reaching out to strangle somebody Of course, it puts you in the killer's position, which is always uncomfortable, especially when he's about to strangle this little kid.
0: And that's one of those elements that as you go from Giallo and into Slasher, that became more of a thing. Yeah. Um, And till that point, to what you were saying, Michael, the early part of the film was very subdued, I think, even though there are murders going on and things. But it's still very like a calm, almost like a slow dream that you're going through. And they use a lot of like blues in the color. There's kind of like a blue palette to everything that makes it very dreamy. Yeah. Yeah, very cool pilot. But when you get there, it's very like documentary, like very clinical
2: when he's chasing the kid. Uh, it's almost otherworldly in a way, though. But so let me clear
1: this up. The reason I said that when I had my oh shit moment of mm-hmm. that, and this will probably get in when we start talking about what we thought of the film. There are parts of the time, there are some times of this film where it's not that memorable, mm-hmm. and it kind of bleeds into other things. And... Those two parts of the movie feel so disconnected from each other that I forgot that was the fifth chord. (laughs) I could could see see that. that. I was thinking, like, oh, that was from another movie. I know that scene. That was a really cool scene, but that's something else that I watched. There is
2: the shift. It really Mm -hmm. is. But
1: then when we start talking about it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the fifth chord. Mm -hmm. Because there's just tonally very, very different parts of that movie. And Mm -hmm. it's easy for me to think that it's something else. So it's not... Yeah, we'll get into that.
0: I, uh, I'll make a confession: the first time I watched this, because I have seen it before, I it was really late at night, and I was just pushing myself to watch a movie, and I kind of nodded off as I was watching it, and woke up during this final act, and I actually thought I didn't miss anything, which is bad because <laughs> I missed some of the kills and everything. But well,
1: I could see that there's
0: <laughs> the, there's nothing
1: groundbreaking through this mm. film as far as you know, like what sets it apart in giallo films we we talked about it when we watched it and i think one of the things that sets it apart is franco nero definitely and he is
0: amazing he's great
1: he's fantastic i found myself wanting to see more of his work Mm -hmm. because he played it so well i don't know how this movie was received when it came out like i don't know if there's not a whole lot on this movie
0: I, i don't think it made a very big splash at the time, there were so many imitators that were trying to cash
2: in on what Argento was doing. So was I think like, it, yeah, it was like the slasher craze in the U.S. It the was 80s. kind of lost in the sea yeah. of things.
1: And a lot of the other actors, you could tell they weren't fully committed to mm-hmm. it. They were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do this, do this giallo flick. We'll shoot it, you know, be done. Franco Nero didn't get that memo.
0: Mm-hmm. He, he was
1: a hundred percent in. Yep, he gives his all the entire time, and it's really refreshing to see in a giallo film because most of the time. Like, when you start talking about Argento, you don't usually talk about the performances
0: mm-hmm.
1: that are given in Argento. Some are standout.
0: Not in his Giallo so much. Yeah.
1: You know, like, I I definitely think there's some fantastic performances in Suspiria mm-hmm. and Phenomena and everything like that. But when you're really looking at his Giallo, there's not anybody that you're like, oh, they're really standout. And in mm-hmm. a lot of the other Giallo I've seen, there's not a whole lot of standout actors maybe some standout characters or bit characters but not like this Mm -hmm. Franco Nero is very cool not what he does i mean (laughs) sorry i don't want to condone that behavior he's a complex character which is but but he's he's smooth you watch him and you're like this dude's really good at what he does
0: and you want to watch him solve the case Mm -hmm. and that's credit to his acting because on paper if you just laid out this person you would hate them, but <laughs> something about the way he is, you just kind of like, oh, right. He has a charisma. Well,
1: a I mean, charisma. yeah. I still don't like him, right? but I want him to solve the case, mm-hmm. and I want to be there when he solves the case. So that's definitely attributed to whether that's the writing, how much of that was Franco Nero himself, you know, putting mm-hmm. that into the role. But either way, I care, and
0: I'm in. So to pull us through, after this incident with the kid, uh... Andrea's able to save him, and the killer's right there, and he kind of gives chase, and this is our big final moment. They run into sort of this abandoned warehouse and have a final showdown that's part battle, part chase, and it's very dangerous. He gets pretty injured during mm-hmm. the scuffle, and you really don't know. Like, the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, ooh, is he going to, like, die to solve the case? Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Die together Because he, like he that.
0: feels like that guy, like, dangerous enough to be just like, whatever, I screw it, I solved the case,
2: I'll right. die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he doesn't.
0: But he doesn't. He pulls through, and even, we... Even...
2: Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, please continue. Uh, even the killer doesn't die, mm-hmm. which is unusual in this. That's true, movies.
1: yeah. It's... Again, God damn it! It's again, I'm <laughs> like, is this this movie? <laughs> is that the same movie? <laughs> yes, it is the same movie. Uh, who is the
2: killer? Indeed, Jason, who is the killer? The killer was John Lubbock. He was the man who was initially attacked in the tunnel.
0: But how can that be?
2: Well... He actually was not in love with Isabel, as everyone thought, but he was in love with her fiance, Edward. And oh. he just could not take the fact that they were together and he decided that he was going to kill all these other people to cover up the murder of Isabel that he he was she was the one that he was really after. Mm, to get so her he, out of the way right. so that they could be together. Right. And so he's going off all these other random people just to throw the police off the trail and not realize that it was him. Mm-hmm. I have a confession. I forgot who the killer was. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned with you well, who the killer was. That is one of the problems of this movie. I
0: agree, yeah. I think that his motivation's a little shaky. If they had spent a little more time with him, maybe, to kind
2: of lay some groundwork. Right. You get that look at the beginning of the party, and it's actually pretty well done. because you. And going back, it has a different meaning if you go back and rewatch it, because mm-hmm. you think he's looking at Isabel, and she kind of turns around, gives him this look, and turns around, and Edward's looking at him, and he kind of gives him the same look. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it could be stay away from my woman or, you know, sorry, I've moved on. I've got somebody else. Right. You know, so.
0: And I guess, in one way, the one thing I do really like about it is that it kind of juxtaposes Andrea. He's still pining for his lost love. Right. But he's kind of just settled into this, like, hard drinking, depressive way about it. Uh, Lubbock, he decided to kill for it to get back what he wants. Right. And so it's sort of like, in a way, they are like twin souls in some of their situations, but they've both just gone. A different path and how they're handling that. For clarification, one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. We should clarify. Yeah, <laughs> um, you shouldn't
2: go killing people. Murdering people is not the best way to get over a broken relationship.
1: If you're stuck in alcoholism,
0: you know, then
1: there get, are people. Who, help. There, there are people, are people who there. can help you with that.
0: And you won't succeed because a hard drinking badass like Franco Nero is going to catch you. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's
2: right. it'll all be for naught. Is not. he still
1: so alive? Is Franco Nero still so alive? Yes. Yeah. yeah,
2: dude, he'll show up at your fucking door, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've made, been tracking you down. He had that great little cameo in uh, Django Unchained.
0: Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Yep, they because of the title I'm assuming they got him in for it.
2: Yep. Shit. He's at mm-hmm. that little it's like a little bar or saloon or something where the the guys are fighting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Django and they talk for a second. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched that movie in a he's long time. He's sitting there with time. a drink and a cigar being all cool. Mm-hmm. I haven't
1: watched that in a long time, but yeah. that's interesting. Yeah,
2: he's great. Yeah,
1: he'll find you. If you go killing people, he'll show up at your door, man.
0: (laughs) Yep, so he busts Lubbock, we get the truth,
2: and it kind of just ends. Yeah, yeah, it Mm. just just ends. And Lubbock's not dead, he's taken by the police. Andrea's kind of lost both his ladies. Saved his kid, which is good. Right, yeah, you get no indication that he's going to get back with his ex. I don't think he will. No, I don't either.
1: Well, and he's not getting back with his uni girl, because, you know. Yeah, she went off to marry somebody else. He also doesn't deserve her.
2: No,
0: she's gorgeous. She yeah. was she's super great. cute. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Lots of fun. When he hit her, I was like, oh, you fucked up, man. <laughs> yeah. You fucked cool. up. you I don't want any part of you now. But all that kind of comes to my thoughts of the film.
0: Yeah, so let's get into that. What did you think of this, Michael?
1: If I had to rate it, I'd probably give it like a three mm-hmm. out of five. And that's a a kind three. I didn't hate the film. It does have its merits. It does have some very cool imagery. But it's forgettable. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to say, I mean, we should be clear, we didn't get to record this right after we watched it because no. we got a giant ice storm and we couldn't get out of our houses.
0: Little snowpocalypse.
1: But it's fine. And like Jason and I talked uh, outside of the podcast saying, like,
0: I think I might need to rewatch this because <laughs> <laughs> I
1: kind of forgot what happened in it. But then- I just relearned who the killer was, and that's. I'm not sure that says a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure that says a lot for Was it film. Was it better
2: the second time around? <laughs> I don't know. Did it make a difference knowing who the killer was?
1: If you were um, No, I wasn't. Well, let me say this. <laughs> I wasn't
0: shocked when the killer was revealed the first time. The first time I watched it, I didn't guess who the killer was. Did either of you suspect Lubbock at all? No, I didn't. Yeah. So that part is kind of well executed.
2: It is, but that also left me with one of the questions I don't remember ever being answered in the movie. Who initially attacked Lubbock in the tunnel?
1: Wasn't it supposed to just be random?
2: I guess it was because it's never addressed. Well, they made it out to be random, but that's a very lucky attack, yeah, mm-hmm. to help throw the police off of his coming murder spree. <laughs> Maybe he went. Oh, but Did we don't pay know, if, someone. But oh, <laughs> to <could've>. attack him.
1: <laughs> but we also don't know the timeline of when they when they got that recording.
2: Mm-hmm. What if? Yeah, because oh, the movie sh- opens with the recording, but we don't know if that is. But the glove
1: know. was on him, though, right? Yeah. So, no, it doesn't, that doesn't apply. Or
2: he just, like, they found the glove, and he just decided to use the glove <laughs> yeah. in his motif.
1: And and that makes him really not that great of a killer.
2: But that's one of the problems with the movie. There, I think there's too many characters. Mm-hmm. There's too many red herrings. You kind of get confused about the plot. It's a bit muddled.
0: In the novel, I can see how having so many characters would work, because you have the space there to sort
2: of detail everyone out more. All right. And in the movie, you're, in, you're, you're basically introduced to every character at the beginning party. And you're, you're kind of having to keep track of who they are, remember who they are, the mm-hmm. relationships. It's...
1: And none of them are really stand out enough that you fully remember them. Like, mm-hmm. they give them each just an inkling of something that you can latch on to. Oh, yeah, this character does this. This one's mm-hmm. this. But none of them are enough that you really remember them.
2: Right, right.
0: That's just one of those things, I think, lost in translation.
1: Yeah, and I don't know much about the the production of this film as far as, you know, like, was it rushed? Mm-hmm. what was the the studio's main purpose behind it? you know was it just let's here's a novel that from a writer that seems to have had good luck mm-hmm. so let's see if we can just adapt this quickly and throw it out in kind of a roger Corman type way to make some money off of it, or how much was really you know intended for that film
2: yeah I don't think i think I don't think it was a cash grab or anything I think it was. I think every intention was made with this movie to make it as as good as they could.
0: And it is an enjoyable movie. It's an enjoyable that?
2: movie. And if I were to give it a rating, I would I think I would have to come down at two point five. Oh which is you hard. It's ass. it's it's, it's <laughs> I, I had a, I told you guys three at first, I believe, when we first watched it. Mm-hmm. Then I went back and rewatched it. And I just you I got hard I gotta say ass. it's 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 a it's just a straight down the road average, especially and i'm comparing it to like argento and martino and stuff mm-hmm. like that and one another one of my issues with this movie was that it just wasn't stylish enough a- and the kills weren't exuberant you know what enough. you gave soul Plane a 5 <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a criticism i has i think that um, i do think the kills are kind of basic in the scheme of giallo films a lot of them go right. very lavish in how they kill them and the blood sprays out yeah, and the way it's, the body positioned and this is just very like he kills them just boom dead Right. Which is a good for this gritty thing, but that's not really a giallo thing. I wasn't seeking that when I came to watch it. Right. And I think that there's a lot of red herrings, and that's probably connected to your point about like all the characters involved. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had maybe cut some of them out, perhaps that would work better. I think so. Um, and or- I'm sure that comes from the novel. I did get a little research about the novel. Uh, I'll just throw this in super quick. In the book, it's set in Scotland, actually. And it's focusing on the middle class, more like average working class people. Mm, but there's still that circle of friends. That's
2: very different, yeah.
0: And apparently the film actually leaves out some plot points in the middle and kinda goes off on this uh, the sex party thing and all the vice and decadence that's going on. But it really the,
1: wasn't much of a sex party, mm. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but uh it's just like two people having sex. They
0: tie up with the same ending, so it's just really some of the middle chunk that we've lost from like novel to film. Mm, interesting
1: yeah I could see that this mm. really does feel like there was more
0: there should have been <laughs> there was more. a
1: lot more but you didn't have time for that
0: so even me when we sat there and watched it I kind of popped off like I'm gonna be a five star factory I guess cause I'll give this a five but the more I've settled with it I would probably give this a four okay. I'll be I'll be really? a little more generous than you guys I do think it's a lot of fun I love Franco Nero's character is what really elevates it to me and makes it worth watching and oh. really one that you should see if you want to check these kind of films out
1: you know, I want to ask this question, though. If it were not for other Giallo films, probably some some more highly known Giallo films, mm-hmm. would we give this film the same rating? I would, would it be higher?
0: I would probably go higher then.
1: Right, because we're stacking this up to other ones that we've seen that are awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure, but I mean, right. I mean, you have, you have to compare it to all the other ones at the time. Um, but, yeah, it's just...
0: Mm. And I think, too, if you want to get into this genre, this isn't a bad film to be your first to dip into the pool.
2: I would argue that. Mm. Oh, I, I don't, shit. I don't think it's a good first giallo. Oh, okay. Like, Why? If you have never seen a giallo film before, do not start with this one. I don't think it's the best representation of giallo. Mm. I don't think it has quite all those elements going for it. See, I think
0: to me it's like the first step, um, because what I've noticed when I've tossed other people a giallo film to watch is they are like oh this is weird i don't understand some well of which stuff. ones
2: would you usually recommend
1: uh i think bird with the crystal plumage is a great starting point that was going to be my next question that i wanted to ask you guys
2: what is your top giallo recommendation I, i'd throw them in a deep end i would go with uh, deep red dario Argento. Oh, so good love love that one i mean it's it's i mean there's not a lot of places to go up from there but it's also the quintessential giallo in my opinion
0: I think if you're wanting a first one, Bird with the Crystal Plumage is like perfect as a initial out of the gate. My f- favorite, I would just really squeeze in there and be like, hey, see this, is uh, The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. A Martino movie. I don't think it's Martino, actually. Oh, Shit. is it not Martino? Oh, no. We have to. Uh-oh.
3: Uh-oh.
2: Oh, to IMDB
1: immediately. Quickly. Movie debate. So now, while you guys are looking that up, what I'm going to say, since you mentioned Deep Red, I'm going to have to go with that's my favorite. Because I absolutely love Deep Red. But one, and I think this falls in Giallo, right? It, opera? Would you say
2: opera's Giallo? It has Giallo elements for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah,
2: I think it's Giallo. I would call it one.
1: I yeah. really dig opera. I think opera has one of the creepiest um, kills oh. mm-hmm. and imagery. And I love that one.
0: A lot of people say that's kind of his last great one. It is.
1: I mean, I didn't really watch a lot after that, honestly. Opera was kind of my last.
2: Oh, yeah, I stand corrected. Dustin is correct. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking that was Martino. Well,
0: who is it? It's uh, Emilio Moraglia. Well, why didn't you know that, Jason? And what he the also fuck? did another one before that one called uh, The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave,
2: and that one's excellent, too. Oh, that's also on my list. I've not seen it yet. Super fun. I apologize. No, it's good. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take another shot. <laughs> well, I was convinced that was Martino.
0: The only yeah. reason I knew is because I just went through all his films like a few months uh, ago. You don't right, have to right. you don't have to sugarcoat it for him. Let him sit in his shame. It's okay. Let <laughs> him let him sit over there across the table in his shame. Don't sugarcoat it for him. <sighs> so the fifth chord, it's worth watching. Maybe not your first for a Giallo film.
2: I think if you watched all the Argentos, if you watched all the Martinos or the Moraglias. Uh, or the full cheese? Yeah, give this yeah. quarter
0: watch. You're ready to step into like less, lesser, sure. more obscure ones. You, if you've
2: ones. got to scratch that giallo itch and you've seen all the greats, check this one out.
0: I mean, I'm there, man. I'm buying the uh, Forgotten Giallo collections from Vinegar Syndrome. Like, I just need more. Why well, so. am I not surprised? <laughs> all right. So,
1: how did we watch this film?
0: Okay. Well, shots ready. I've got the blue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there it is. Uh, Arrow Video has an excellent Blu-ray out. They restored it, made it nice. There's a lot of cool interviews, extra bits on there. If you're not a completist
1: like Dustin, though, (laughs) and you don't feel like dropping the dough on that, it's on Shudder.
0: Excellent. And Shudder's actually, if you want to get into Giallo, they have a good catalog. They really do. Honestly,
1: if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have Shudder, of all the streaming services that you have, of all the streaming services that I have,
2: I hit Shudder the most, man. We are not endorsed by Shudder. We are not endorsed by anyone. We just really love Shudder. Yep.
0: I ain't going to sell you something that I don't like. And the thing <laughs> is, too, like, it's not just horror when you really get in there and start digging. They have other stuff as well. Like yeah. I saw just the other day they put up Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a favorite of mine. And that's not a horror film. I mean, you could argue it maybe, but... It
2: has horror elements, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Piper was horrified watching it. <laughs> I don't think for the right reasons. But,
0: But yeah, I I love Shudder. I'll shul for them all day, whether they pay us or not. Awesome. Great.
1: But, yeah, you can check it out on Shudder for basically free. I mean, there's so much else on Shudder that you Mm -hmm. can get it.
0: So it's there. It's easy to get. So that's always a plus. And, of course, eventually we do want other people's thoughts and opinions. So please write into us if you've seen this, if you go check it out after you've heard us rant about it. Uh, If you love this more than we did, please tell us why. I want to hear some passionate people about the Fifth Gord. Yes, we love the debate. And you can contact us at genreexposure at gmail.com or at genreexposure at your favorite social media website. It's been great talking to you guys about The Fifth Chord,
1: and I look forward so much to next week's podcast. So what is next week then, Michael? It's It's your pick. pick. it? It was my pick. Yep. Psycho Goreman. If you guys have not seen the trailer for this, which was circulating all through the horror, um... Community, community, yep, seedy underbelly, <laughs> sewers of the horror community. <laughs> then you, I ah, uh, and I went into this blind because I only watched the trailer. I knew what it was, but I only watched the trailer right before we watched the movie. Right? Holy shit, guys! I'm excited about it. Well,
0: right. I'll leave you guys with this. Do you like hunky boys? I think I do. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> you
2: no, know, I didn't before, but now I'm thinking. <laughs> or do I? <laughs>
1: Thanks, guys, so much for tuning in. Excited to talk to you guys and excited to see you next time. You've been listening to Genre Exposure.
2: Bye, everybody. See ya.